we're here today to talk about the living water because that is why we celebrate today. Agreed? Give the Lord a hand. Would you do that for me this morning? Jesus didn't die to make bad people better, but he came to bring the death to life. And the message of hope, that is the message that we bring today. That the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that we have access to today. For those of us that are followers and believers of Christ, I heard a story not long ago that after Abraham Lincoln had died, they exhumed his body several times, the latest being up in 1901, because they were afraid that his body had been stolen. When the stone was rolled away, they thought that maybe the body of Jesus had been stolen. But it hadn't been stolen because he was risen, Mike. He was risen from the dead. I love what Paul has to say in Romans chapter 8. It says this, that the Spirit of God, or the power of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives within you. Listen, Easter wasn't intended to celebrate bunnies and, and hunt for Easter eggs or out to go out and buy a new outfit for your children so that they could wear to church and look good on Sunday. That can be the worst experience. <laughs> I had that yesterday. I thought, Lord, put me out of my misery. But he goes on to say that the, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And it's available to everyone who believes. And I want you to write that word down somewhere because we're going to come back to it, back to it again and again and again. Those who believe. Paul would go on to say, just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will. Would you say he will with me? Say it again. He will. And he will give life to your mortal bodies. And you say, okay, all right. Listen, but you have no earthly idea. You have no earthly idea how discouraged I am or how defeated I am. And Paul said, listen, God wants to bring those dead places to life. How? He tells you. By the same spirit that lives within you. The same spirit, the power of the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the exact same spirit that you have access to. Maybe a good way to say it might be this, that the resurrection of Jesus gives us the power to close the gap between where we are and where we should be. C.S. Lewis, an author, talking about a deeper meaning behind the resurrection, said this, Easter is death working backwards. Instead of it being from life to death, we go from death to life. But you might say, well... <laughs> Okay, listen, what's the, what's the catch? Because I gave my life to Jesus when I was a little kid. See, I trusted Jesus. I was baptized when I was a, a little kid. So tell me what you're talking about. Because somewhere along the line, I must be missing something, Troy. Because, man, I can't seem to figure this out. It seems, it seems like every time I turn around, I'm struggling. Maybe God's wanting something for me that I'm not capable of giving. Maybe I'm not gifted enough. But you may have more in common with people in the scriptures than what you think, because this is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter, two, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. I'm just going to pass through it really quickly. But this is what Paul said. We ought, well, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, and he's talking to believers. Listen, I think you ought to know about the trouble that we went through in the province of Asia. In other words, there must have been some other people that were walking through times of difficulty. And Paul's saying, listen, guys, you aren't alone. You're not alone in your struggles. He says, I understand what it's like to, to have doubts and have 
and, and feel discouraged. And he goes on to, to talk about what he was feeling in his, his experience. He said, we, we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, this is how bad it was. We expected to die. But as a result, and listen to what he says next. As a result, we stopped relying on ourselves. In other words, I stopped trying to make it happen because I came to realize that I couldn't make it happen. Regardless of how hard I tried, I continued to fail. But Paul said there was something that happened during that time, that he was at the place of his lowest. And he said this, he said, he went on to say and learned, he said, during that time I stopped relying on myself and I learned to rely on God who raises the dead. Now, going back to Romans in a situation where Paul was referring back to the Old Testament and he was using Abraham as an example, this is what he said when he was talking about justification and he was talking about salvation through faith. He uses Abraham, and this is what he said in Romans chapter 4, verse 17. That is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. What in the world was it that motivated God to use Abraham in such a position of authority and influence? I mean, was it because he was smarter? Was it because he was more qualified? Was it because he was wiser? Was it because he was more talented, better looking? No, no. But he tells us why God chose him. Look at what he goes on to say. It happened because Abraham what? He believed. He believed. What is it that you're hanging on today? What is it that that you're believing in today? It wasn't the fact that Abraham had it all figured out. It wasn't because he knew all the answers. It wasn't because he knew what God was going to do or what he wasn't going to do. But he, he believed. He believed, and look what Paul said. He said this right here, to go on to say, he believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and creates new things out of nothing. So what is it we have to do to go from death to life, to experience this new life that's talked about? When If we have the power to experience, the ability to experience the power that raised Jesus from the dead, where in the world is it at? He said, listen, you got to believe. You just have to believe. I want to share with you a story. There, there are a few stories in the Gospels where we find where Jesus raised somebody from the dead. Three stories, as a matter of fact. One, it was the son of a widow. Number two, it was the daughter of Jairus. And number three is the one that we're going to talk about briefly today as we walk through. It's a story that we find in John chapter 11. I'd love for you, because we're going to sit in here for a while, if you've got that passage, I'd love for you to pull it out, John chapter 11, and we're going to talk about the one that we've, about Lazarus. We'll talk about the story of, of Lazarus because John records what took place. And let me read for you uh, some passages of scripture and we'll talk about it today. And I'm excited to say that, listen, at the end of our time and our celebration today, we're going to have baptism. Isn't that exciting? Somebody some coming saying, listen, we, we want to acknowledge to the world that we've, that we've trusted Jesus. But anyway, back in John chapter 11, verse 1, this is where we'll begin. And it says, and he records, a man named who? Lazarus was sick. I wonder how sick he was. He was pretty sick. You're going to find that out in just a second. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, who's Mary and Martha. Bethany was a few miles outside of Jerusalem. This is the Mary... Not Jesus' mother, but it was Lazarus' sister, who would later 
pour the expensive perfume on Jesus' feet and wipe them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus saying, Lord, your dear friend, and the, I love what the NIV, the New International Version has to say. They put it this way. The one that you love is very sick. She didn't notice that she didn't say uh, the one that loves you, the one that goes to church all the time, the one that has all the Bible verses memorized, the one that is out on visitation, the one that, that is always up doing their devotion on their knees praying. She didn't say any of that. She didn't say the one that's so committed to you that you need to love him back. But she said, Lord, the one that you love is sick, is sick. And I want you to hear this because this is important. God's love for us isn't motivated because of our love or obedience to him. But he loves us regardless. He loves us regardless. And there are those of you that would say there's no way God could love me because if you only knew, not only the things that I do, but the things that go on behind the scene that nobody ever sees. But God still loves you. He loves you in the foolish decisions. He loves me in the foolish decisions that I make. But in spite of all the junk, God's love isn't because we're lovable, because, but because he is love. And God loves us and he wants to experience. Listen, he wants to give us something so that we can experience life. Life to the fullest. More. And then it goes on to say in verse 4 there in chapter 11, but when Jesus heard about it, he heard about Lazarus' sickness. He said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. Well, if you know the story, you know that it will end in death. But Jesus is saying, look, it's not going to end that way. I mean, he's going to die, but it's not gonna, that's not going to be the final story because there's more. And all of the stuff that's getting ready to happen, God's at work and he's going to use it. No, he said, there was a purpose behind it. It happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. In other words, those that were there didn't have any clue what God was getting ready to do. How many times do we think we know what God's doing and yet we miss it? We miss it. But here's a situation from the outside looking in that looks completely hopeless. But God said, no, he said, <laughs> No, something's fixing to, take, fixing to take place. It's going gonna, it's gonna to blow your socks off. And then he says in verse 5, So although Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. If he loved him so much, why in the devil did he stay two more days? Some of you know that I lost a sister a couple of weeks ago. It's not something that, that came as a, uh, as a surprise uh, Shay was born with Down syndrome 50 years ago in 1969. As a matter of fact, my mother reminded me of the story that after she was born, they pulled the family together and said, it would be in your best interest to just forget that you ever had a daughter and let us take care of her and just go on and live your life. Shay far exceeded anything that they thought that she would be able to do. And for the past mm, 10 years or so, she's pretty much required around-the-clock care. And... Uh, you know, I knew we thought we may lose her while we were out at spring break on vac vacation, and, uh, but she survived. And when we got back on the Wednesday after getting back, I'd went up to see them. As soon as we got back after church, I left to go. And then uh, I told them, I said, listen, when things get bad, I want you to, when your vital signs begin to, to drop, I want you just to let me know and I'll drop what I'm doing and I'll, I'll come. And so I got a phone call uh, after a funeral on that Wednesday that said her vitals beginning to fall. 
Man, I didn't hang out for a couple of days. I didn't do that. But I picked up what I had and I said, it was time to go. And that's what you expect from somebody in need when somebody you love is suffering and they're hurting. But that wasn't the way that Jesus acted. I mean, when he got word of Lazarus' condition, it just appeared that Jesus didn't care at all. I mean, he didn't rush off to, to be by his side, but he stayed where he was. But Jesus knew something that we didn't know. He saw something that we couldn't see. And here it is. Here it is when Jesus finally decided it was time to go. But then in the midst of that, he faced the opposition of the disciples because they didn't want to go. And they didn't understand exactly what was going on. And then in verse 11, it says, Then he said, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But now I will go and I'll wake him up. And the disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, well, listen, just leave him alone. He'll get better soon. No, they didn't just let him sleep it off. He'll be okay. They thought that Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping. But Jesus meant Lazarus had what? He was dead. He was dead, so he told them plainly, in other words, so that they can understand. Okay, look me, you ever did that to your kids? Okay, look me in the eye. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you how it is. Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is what? He's dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I, I wasn't there. Well, that didn't make a lot of sense. I mean, why would he say, I'm glad, for, for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there? You know why? Because he tells them. For now you will really what? See, I'm glad I wasn't there because now what's getting ready to happen? Now what's going to happen is, it's, is you're going to really believe. You know, how many times is our faith in Christ a faith of convenience? A faith of association? A faith as long as everything's going the way that it that it should be going and life is going easy. I mean, you don't mind hanging out. I mean, don't you think that the disciples it, from time to time must have enjoyed being hanging out with Jesus with all the, all the publicity, all the things that were going on? I mean, goodness gracious, the miracles, the teaching, all the stuff that was happening. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm with Jesus, man. I was watching the passion of Christ. It was, it was unique to see how quickly those who said we love him it quickly dis disappeared. But here it is, for now you will really believe. That moment in time when all of a sudden their faith didn't, they couldn't understand it. All of a sudden their, their faith was going to be challenged. And this is what we say all the time, faith isn't faith until it is, yes, until it's tested. And their faith was going to be tested. Jesus is getting ready to do something that will challenge as well as deepen their faith. And even though all the things they had seen up until this point, and even though they didn't understand there was something that was getting ready to happen. And they said, okay, come, let's go see. And here's Thomas, the disciple that you eventually know as Doubting Thomas, because Thomas would speak up after the resurrection, after an incident that took place. Thomas speaks up and he says, uh, he says to his fellow disciples, okay, well, let's go to, and we'll just die with Jesus. Now, I have a difficult time understanding the sincerity of that statement. I mean, here's Lazarus dead. Now Jesus is wanting to go back to an area where their lives, his life has been threatened. And Thomas speaks out probably what everybody else is thinking. But if we go there, it's going to mean that we die. It's like saying, well, if we're going to die, we might as well die now, I guess. 
And he goes on, when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he told that Lazarus had already been in the grave for four days. And that four days is such an important part because three days, he's dead. Four days, he's really dead. <laughs> See, they believed a person could come back to life after three days. I mean, they didn't have a medical examiner to test him to see whether or not he was alive. I mean, I guess, I'm assuming there were people that had, that had, that had just all of a sudden, man, they, he's alive. He's not dead. Reminds me of a story. It's like the three guys, they go to the funeral. They're standing over by the casket, the friends. Everybody that comes, they're talking, oh, he looks so good. I mean, isn't that what you want somebody standing over you saying one day? Oh, he looks so good. You know? So there's, he was such this and he was such that. They're saying, and one of the guys says to the other guy, he says, you know, he says, uh, <clears throat> you know, what, what, do you, what do you want people to say about you when you die? One guy says, well, that's easy, man. I want to say... Listen, he was a good dad, and he was a good husband, and he said, what about you? He said, well, man, I was a provider for my family, and I was a protector for my family, and he was a good worker, and they looked at the guy that asked the question. He said, what about you? And he said, man, that's easy. He said, I'm going to tell him, don't shut the lid. That joker's moving. <laughs> Y'all know that's funny. Now, come on now. <laughs> but here it is. There's something that's fitting ready to take place. He arrives He's dead, not three days, but four days. And it wasn't the fact that he was dead, but he was really dead. And Jesus is getting to demonstrate, getting ready to demonstrate that he's not only the power, has power over the living, but also the dead. And in verse 18, Bethany was only a couple of miles down the road from Jerusalem. And many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss to pay their respects. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. Well, where did Mary stay? She stayed home. Why? I don't know. But Martha would run out to meet Jesus. And Martha said to him in verse 21, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. See, the reason my brother's dead is because you weren't here. Because I knew that if you were here, you loved him and you would have healed him just like you've healed others. But even if you weren't here, then she says in verse 22, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said, yes, yes. He's going to rise when everybody else rises in the last day. But Jesus is saying, no, not the last days, not someday. But Jesus is going to rise, or Lazarus is going to rise today. And then there's something that happens that defines Easter for us. And don't miss it. Don't miss this because Jesus clarifies that the resurrection is not about the holiday that we celebrate Easter bunnies and Easter eggs, but it's the person that's standing right there in front of her. And Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and I am the life. And listen, if you'll lean into me, there'll be some stuff that'll happen in your life that you'll never be able to imagine. And in the next phrase, there's, there's three words that Jesus uses. He said, I am the resurrection and the life and anyone who what? Anyone who believes in me will what? Will live after dying. And write this down someplace in your notes. Jesus has power over life and death. Anyone who believes in me will live. He didn't say those who pray more. He didn't say those who attend church more. He didn't say those who serve more. He didn't say those who give more. But our life, true life, hinges on our belief. Belief. Jesus said, everyone who what? Who lives in me and believes in me will never die. 
Even when life on this earth as you know it is over. When life comes to an end, what he's saying is that there's more. And then Jesus asked Martha the question. And the simple question was this, do you believe, Martha? Do you believe? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that we have access to. But let's just be honest. Holding on to that can be tough, can it? Especially when you walk through those difficult times when the walls of life seem to be crashing in and things aren't going as planned, when the air has been knocked out of you because of something that takes place. Maybe it's that health report. Maybe it's that spouse that walks in and says, I'm out of here. Maybe it's that information from the past that gets dredged up and all of a sudden your life is all over the airwaves. But our hope and prayer, our hope and prayer on this resurrection day is that there would be one thing that would be significant to you, that you would understand the importance of believing. There's a story about Death Valley that I had come upon. I had heard, I thought it was pretty interesting based on the, the facts about Death Valley. I don't know, how many of you have been to Death Valley in, in California? I've never been there. They say it is a barren, barren wasteland. Here's some facts. It's the lowest place in North America at 282 foot below sea level. It's one of the driest places in the world at an annual rainfall of less than two inches of rain per year. It's also one of the hottest places on the planet. Recorded a temperature of 134 degrees, an average temperature in the month of July at 116. So in other words, there's a reason they call it Death Valley. It's barren. But there was something that took place in the winter of 2004. It was a freak storm, a freak storm that dumped some three years of, of rain in a period of just a season during the wintertime. And that barren land that was there, there was something that began to happen, and they realized that that land that had, had been barren and known for its barrenness really wasn't that barren at all. But there were all these seeds, these flower seeds that were all over, just waiting to bust forth. Below the surface, there were millions of seeds waiting for that resurrection day. And just as Death Valley had that resurrection day back in 2004, did you see those pictures? Incredible. That's, that's a barren wasteland. And just as, as, as it had that resurrection day, we could say, see, there are lives in here that you, that you can identify with barrenness and brokenness because that's where you are. That's what you've experienced in life. And I have to say that in the midst of all that pain and all that suffering, there is life begging to burst forth through the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Man, I, I, got, I got emotional standing up here when I was facing the cross and remembering the significance of the cross yet the power of the resurrection. This is what Paul had to say as he wrote to the believers at Ephesus. And I would say this is our prayer for you, for all of us. Paul said to the believers there, he said, I pray that your heart will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that he has given to those of us, to those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. 
I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power to us who, what? Believe. Believe. What is it you're believing in today? Easter's not just an event. It's an experience. But more than that, it's the person of Jesus Christ. Can I let you into my crazy life just for a second? I had been preparing my family for Shay's death and talking about funeral and services and things as such. So after um, Shay had passed away, we began to finalize some details of the services and what would take place. And I, I said, well, I tell you what, why don't we just sing Amazing Grace down at the, at the graveside and, you know, we'll do this at the church house and then we can do this down at the graveside. And um, I said, we'll just sing a, a verse. And my mother said, we're not doing that. I said, um, Mom, it's fine, it's good, it's easy. Lots of people know it so they can join it. We're not singing Amazing Grace. I said, Mother, your sister was not a wretch. I said, Mom, look. I said, I don't want to get into the theology of this, but, but yes, she No, she was not. She was not a wretch, and you're not singing Amazing Grace. That's all there is to it. <laughs> what do you say to your mom? You know what I told her? I said, okay, we won't sing it at Shay's, but I'll tell you what, we're going to sing it at yours, and I'm going to sing it loud and proud. <laughs> Matter of fact, I'm going to sing, wretch, 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 like me. And we laughed, and we laughed. But you know what keeps us from accepting the invitation to follow Jesus? We don't understand how wretched we truly are. Think about it. What would keep us from making the most important decision of our life is because you don't, you don't think you need him. It's because you don't think you're wretched. You don't see yourself as being wretched. You don't see yourself as being sinful. And you deny the fact you don't need him. I loved what Billy Graham wrote in a final column that he was, that was printed after his death. He was asked a question later on in his life near his, near his death, and they recorded his answers, and it wasn't printed until after he had passed away. But the question was asked, how do you want to be remembered? And I write to you, and I quote from you from that final column that was written, that was published after his death. It said, I hope I will be remembered as someone who is faithful. Faithful to God, faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and faithful to the calling that God gave me, not only as an evangelist, but a husband and father and friend. I'm sure that I failed in many ways, but I take comfort in Christ's promise of forgiveness. And I take comfort also in God's ability to take even our most imperfect efforts and, make, and use them for his glory. By the time that you read this, I will be in heaven. As I write this, I'm looking forward with great anticipation to the day when I will be in God's presence forever. And then he writes this. But I won't be in heaven because I've preached to large crowds. I won't be in heaven because I've tried to live a good life. But I'll be in heaven for one reason and one reason alone. Because many years ago, I placed my faith and trust in Christ Jesus, who died on a cross to make our forgiveness possible. 
and rose again from the dead to give us eternal life. Do you believe? Do you really believe? Do you really believe that that which is dead can be brought to life? Do you really believe it in some of the the worst moments of your life and the times when you're so depressed and so discouraged and so defeated? Do you really believe that God can bring life? Do you believe? Because everything hinges on our belief. Would you pray with me today? This is very simple. Very simple. Very easy. It's not complicated. What is it you believe? What is it you believe? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? If you were to die today, do you know without a shadow of a doubt where you'd spend eternity? Not because you've been baptized, not because you've gone to church, not because you raised a hand, not because you filled out a card, not because, but do you know without a shadow of a doubt because of your faith in Christ, do you believe, do you believe that you're saved? Right now, you have an opportunity to nail that down if you don't. If you're here today and you say, Sid, I don't understand. I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I've never made that decision. Yes, I've gone to church. Yes, I've done this, but I've never placed my faith in Christ. Right there where you are in the quietness of this moment, you can pray something, and this prayer doesn't save you, but what it does is an identification of where your heart is. Jesus, man, I, I recognize how wretched I am. I recognize that I'm a sinner, that I can't save myself. I, I recognize and I believe that Jesus, died, that, he, that, he, that he died on a cross, that he was buried in a tomb, but he was resurrected. And because of that, I can have life. And that's the life that I want. I want that life, Jesus, that looks like Death Valley, that's been, that's been resurrected with all those flowers. That's what I want to happen. I want my life to look like that. I want to experience the more that's available to me. I don't want to live this way any longer. I want to believe. And if that's you right there, you can declare your faith and say, Jesus, I want to follow you. And just pray, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I confess my sins to you. I want to place my faith and trust in you. I want to live for you and you alone. I declare my allegiance to you. And if that's, where you, if that's where you are, right there where you are with heads bowed, just raise your hand and say, that's me. Man, today I want to declare my faith in Jesus. Today, today I want to know without a shadow of a doubt, that's me, there's several people. That's you. Man, after the service, I'd love for you to come and see me. Or just take one of those cards and write on there today, your name and today I made a decision for Jesus. I made a decision for Jesus. Father, I thank you for these that have, that have responded for the work. Maybe there are other things in there. That's, that's good. Maybe there are people that are followers of Christ that have, that have just become so discouraged. Father, help us to believe. Help us to lean into you in those times. And for those that are here today that have prayed to receive Christ, even today, would they make that decision public through letting us know, either through that card or through personally coming to say, today I want to follow Jesus. What a blessing it is 
Father, now as we move into this time of celebrating some who've made decisions to follow you, we just pray that this would be an honor, uh, that this would be honoring to you and to the price that was paid on the cross. In Jesus' name, amen.